Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to welcome you to our Perseverance conversation this morning, and as always, it's great to be with you. We like to always begin our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many titles. Mary's the Mother of God. Mary's the Mother of the Church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. When we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we invoke Mary, also as our light, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's invite Mary to be with us, to pray for us, to pray with us, and to encourage us, so that we could. Strive to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, which is the very heart of the Christian message, to love Christ fully and totally. What better way than through the presence and intercession of Mary? So let's uh, pray the prayer that she loves most, and that's the Hail Mary, together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now, let's ask our spiritual guide to be with us. With great humility and trust, let's beg our spiritual guide, who is the Holy Spirit, to be with us. Holy Spirit has many wonderful wonderful titles. Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sweet Guest of Our Soul. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sanctifier. For that reason, Pope St. John the Twenty-Third says that the saints are the masterpieces of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is also our interior master. By that is meant, he's our interior master, which means that he teaches us how to pray. St. Paul says we really don't know how to pray as we ought. 
but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. Ineffable groans so that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's say the traditional prayer of the Holy Spirit and ask Him to guide our our conversation this morning, as we say. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your Spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful, by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit we may be truly wise, and ever rejoice in his consolation, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. The holy Roman martyrs of the Catholic Church, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. So, my friends, the family that prays together stays together. So we always start our conversation by praying to Mary, to the Holy Spirit, to God's angels, and to God's saints. Indeed, we're in good company, the best of company. And now, my friends, I'd like to place on the altar of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass your intentions, your intentions, but I'd like to mention specifically three, which is my my tradition, my, my custom. First, I'd like to pray that all of us would be open and docile, we'd be open and docile to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. We might even pray during the course of the day this short prayer that I've taught you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. So let's pray for docility to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. My second intention will be The following. Like to pray for your children. Pray for your children. Over the past couple of weeks, I've talked to a couple of teachers in um, teachers in, in middle school, and both of them said that the uh, young people have a lot of mental problems today for many reasons. One would be the pandemic, and I would say the other would be the promotion of transgenderism, which is wreaking havoc in many homes today, where children and teenagers are being confused by a false concept of the human person. So I'd like to pray uh, for you and your children. For that reason, for three weeks, this coming Sunday, I'm going to be giving three mini-retreats to to couples. 
married couples for the, for the intention of trying to help out families because the family is really in crisis. So that's another intention. I'd like to place all of you on the altar, especially your children. We're being brought up and raised in difficult times, no doubt about it. I pray that you as parents, mothers and fathers, you are called to be the first teachers of your children. The dogmatic constitution God him its best in the catechism of the Catholic Church. Expound upon that, that the first teachers of children are the mother and the father. That is you. My third intention, I'd like to pray that we would defend human life in the family. Since the overthrowing of Roe vs. Wade, there's been arson throughout the country. For example, one church in, in New York, uh, there's been some of the, some arsonists has sprayed red paint on the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, Lady Fatima said to offer up reparation for many sins, especially the sins against her images. For the sins against the images of Mary that represent Mary herself. So let's uh, let's pray for many many of these people that are just very very angry. Many many retreats, uh, rather many people that are just very very angry at what happened. People are very angry. So those are my intentions today as we enter into our conversation. So these many retreats we'll have will be in the Church of St. Peter Chanel, starting at 12 and ending at three, just very short retreats. This Sunday, the 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th. These retreats will be in Spanish, but then I'll, most likely, I'll have a follow-up and give these retreats also in English, but one language at a time. So my friends, there's, there's, there's much that has to be said today given that we're a family earlier this week Father Larry celebrated his 40th anniversary in the priesthood and he was uh, ordained a priest 40 years ago on June 28th Today, actually, is the anniversary of the priesthood of Father Craig McMahon. Often, those are the months, often those are the months when their ordinations May and June, because it's the end of the academic year. So, you might offer a special intention for, for priests, for Father Larry's 40th year, but also in a special way, pray for Father Craig will be, I think it's his 32nd or 33rd year as a, ordained as a priest. So given our family, we're called to celebrate. So there's a other few other details I'd like to talk about before we enter into the conversation on the readings for the day. And one will be this. 
This is the last day of June. Six days ago, which was Friday, we celebrated the Solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. And the month of June is dedicated to the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. Month of June. It's dedicated to the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. The month of June. So I invite all of you, because this is actually the last day of June, to do something to show your love for the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. There are many things you can do. Among the list of activities or prayers or novenas that you can do in honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus, I might suggest that you pray either privately or in your family, pray the, the litany of the most sacred heart of Jesus. And you might ask the Holy Spirit, which of those invocations seems to touch you most? Now I'd like to share two of the invocations that are very dear to me right now. Years ago, I was talking with my mother on this, and I said to her, what, one of the invocations I love very much is Sacred Heart of Jesus, burning furnace of charity. Have mercy on me. Jesus said, I've come to cast fire on the earth. Now, I'm not at peace until that fire being kindled. Fire descend upon the apostles on that day of Pentecost. Moses was able to encounter God in the burning bush, the fiery burning bush. So the opposite of this, I've come to cast fire on the earth, is a malady that has permeated the world, even the church. And it's the reality, my friends, of lukewarmness. The Catholic Church is a sleeping giant, as a cardinal once said. The Catholic Church is a sleeping giant of more than a billion people. Wake up. Wake up. The book of Revelation. The book of Revelation goes on to say that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were. I wish you were, but you are lukewarm. I will spit you out of my mouth. So part of the purpose of our perseverance conversation is that we don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be half-baked Catholics. We don't want to be tepid. We don't want to fall into mediocrity, which is the common course for most followers of Christ today is just an overriding sense of mediocrity. There's no fire. So that's one of the invocations that seems to touch me. Sacred Heart of Jesus, burning furnace of charity. The other one, very much related to the overturning of Roe vs. Wade last Friday on the feast day of the Sacred Heart, is the following, Sacred Heart of Jesus, formed in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, have mercy on us. That invocation goes against abortion. 
I repeat, Sacred Heart of Jesus formed in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. So as we come to the end of the month of June, you might pray the litany of the most sacred heart of Jesus. The litany of the most sacred heart of Jesus. Yesterday, my friends, we celebrated the solemnity of St. Peter and St. Paul, the two pillars of the Catholic Church. The two pillars of the Catholic Church. As I mentioned, if you are heading into the Basilica of St. Peter, you're going to see two majestic statues. And one of the statues has a key, the other one has a sword. The one that has a key would be St. Peter. The Gospel yesterday, Jesus said, Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus was given to St. Peter the primacy to be his first successor. Later on, after the resurrection, in John chapter 21, Jesus will be taking a walk with Peter on the shore of Lake Galilee. And he'll say to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Feed my sheep. He asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me more than these? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me more than these? And that hurt Peter. So given that Peter denied our Lord three times, he had to reaffirm his love for Christ three times. Jesus was preparing St. Peter to be his successor. The last words our Lord said when he goes up to heaven in Matthew chapter 28 were, I will be with you always until the end of time. Then he ascends passing through the clouds. So if he says he's going to be with us, why is he passing through the clouds? Because he will go up to heaven in his glorified body, but he'll stay on earth with us through his mystical body, which we call the church. So the church has an invisible head, that's Christ, who reigns in heaven. But the church also has a visible head. That visible head is the Holy Father, the Pope. Holy Father, the Pope. The other statue was St. Paul. St. Paul, who has the big sword. The sword, uh, actually, my friends, has two interpretations. The sword is the word of God. St. Paul will go on to say that the sword is a two, the, the, the sword is, uh, has two edges. The, 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 rather, he says the word of God is a two-edged sword that separates bone from marrow. The word of God is a two-edged sword that separates bone from marrow. So what St. Paul is saying is we have to read the Word of God. And that's what we'll be explaining. Utilize the method that I give to you. Read, memorize, general understanding, personal understanding, practical application. Follow that method. And then also uh, St. Paul and that statue is is a big sword because both Peter and Paul like their master, will end their lives by shedding their blood. They'll become martyrs. 
The word martyr comes from Greek. It means witness, witness to Christ in their blood. 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 St. Paul was beheaded. And it says that his head bounced once, twice, and three, and three springs sprouted up from the ground. You got the tre taverne, the three taverns. Whereas St. Peter was crucified upside down. He was heading outside of Rome during the time of Nero, and he met Jesus carrying the cross. And Peter said, Domino quo vadis, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified again. Peter took the cue. He went back. And there we have the Vatican. Peter was crucified. But he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up. I want to be crucified upside down. Because I'm not worthy to die the way the Master died. And so it was. Saul by the sword. And Peter was crucified. That leads us right into the last day of Rome. Uh, I'm sorry, the last day of June. We celebrate the Roman martyrs. Almost too many to be counted. The Roman martyrs today. As I mentioned yesterday, I would encourage you once again, if you could see that movie of St. Paul. came out about six years ago. Maybe five. And the, one of the protagonists, the actors, was Jim Caviezel, who acted as St. Luke. And it shows the situation of the early Christians. St. Paul is in house arrest in the Mamertine. Then it shows uh, St. Luke visiting Priscilla and Aquila in a catacomb. And St. Luke gives the last homily. He says to them, look, you're going to suffer. But it's going to be short. The suffering is short, but the reward is eternal life. Then you'll be with the Lord for all eternity. How encouraging those words were of of St. Luke. You're going to suffer intensely, but it's going to be over quickly. Some of them were thrown to the lions. Others were killed by the sword. Others were crucified. Some were even burnt as human torches to light the streets of Rome. And that leads us into the feast day that we celebrate today. It's an optional memorial and it's the it's the first martyrs of Rome. A little bit of history. The three basic centers of Christianity back in the first century say in the 60s, was Jerusalem, Antioch, and the third would be the city of Rome. So Christians lived in Rome. They came from Jerusalem. Also St. Paul had preached in other places. They had gravitated toward Rome. Rome was the center of civilization for hundreds of years. So this would happen. 
In the year 64, there was a very famous fire of Rome. Many of the historians say it was possibly actually ignited by Nero himself. Half of the household of Nero was burnt. So many of the historians say that it was as a result of this that Nero, who was one of the most violent persecutors of Christians, had to find a scapegoat, someone to blame for this fire, this devastation of Rome. So Nero took this out on the Christians. So he issued a decree that Christians should be arrested and they should be put to death. So Nero, Decius, and Diocletian were among the most violent persecutors of Christians in the first century. So this took place in, in the year 64. For that reason, Christians to be saved would have to hide in their homes. Hide in their homes. <clears throat> or they'd have to go underground in the catacombs. If you ever visit Rome, I invite you to visit some of the catacombs. Two of the most famous would be St. Sebastian and St. Calixtus. They're basically underground tunnels. And if you look on the walls, you can see Christian symbols that have been carved into the walls across the Alpha, the Omega, a shepherd, a basket of bread. These are Christian symbols which were carved into the wall where the priest would celebrate the Mass so he would not be apprehended and put to death. Many were apprehended and put to death as early followers of Christ, the Christian martyrs. You know, my friends, we're living in tough times. Last century was a century in which, which there were most Christian martyrs in the history of Catholicism. In this century, we're becoming more and more aware of Christian martyrs in Africa, in Nigeria, in India, in other places. Before when I was confirmed many years ago, the bishop would tap you on the cheek. That was very significant for me. The tapping on the cheek was symbolic of the fact that to follow Christ also meant to be, a, to be willing to suffer for Christ. I repeat, to, to, to follow in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ meant that we should be willing to suffer for Christ. We should be willing to suffer for Christ. Did you know that a cardinal a cardinal wears red? And the reason is because he should be willing to shed his blood for Christ. One more idea on martyrdom because we had two martyrs yesterday and today we celebrate the Roman martyrs. 
is they like to explain martyrdom in the widest sense of the word. Servant of God, Pope Pius XII, who died in the late 50s, and John XXIII would be the next pope, Pope Pius XII, also known as Pacelli, which means peacemaker, he said that all of us are called to be martyrs in one way or another. I explain. The most obvious interpretation of this would be the person, the Christian, the Catholic, that sheds his blood for Christ or to defend a virtue. To defend Christ or to defend to defend a virtue. But in the most extensive interpretation, a martyr would be the white martyrdom. Pius XII said, white martyrdom, we're all called to be martyrs in that sense. And it means this. If we do not shed our blood for Christ in dying that way, white martyrdom means we're called to die on a daily basis. We're called to die to the old man. We're called to conquer the flesh. We're called to fight against sin in our lives. We're called to fight against the... JP2 speaks about the structure of sin in our lives. This is what we're called. We're called to. So it's either red martyrdom... It's either red martyrdom or white martyrdom. And finally, as I mentioned earlier, if we are going to follow Christ, and the word Christian means basically follower of Christ. Catholic means universal. The Catholicism is open to all. Those closed doors, whoever wants to become a Catholic, the doors are wide open. Then living out our Catholic faith is another story. As many are just Catholics in name. We're called to be not only Catholics in name, but in truth. 24-7. But the last of the Beatitudes, and we're going through Matthew, Matthew the chapter at a time, The last of the Beatitudes is blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is happening now is the following. Six days ago, Roe vs. Wade was overturned Praise the Lord. But already there is persecution that is being unleashed. As I mentioned earlier, the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary was was damaged in which they threw red paint on that statue. Another church was burnt. Pregnancy centers are being Threatened. So here, here's a here's a personal application of the beatitude. Is that we're not using violence at all. We're just simply trying to defend the basic right of the human person. The basic, most fundamental right of the human person. And this is enshrined in our constitution. Is that all of us. We're all endowed with with rights. Rights that should be, not be violated. 
Inalienable rights is the technical word. We're all endowed with inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're not using any violent means, but those who are pro-abortion are attacking us. We don't want to overcome violence by using violence. We want to overcome violence by love and mercy and forgiveness and prayer and penance. As I said in one of my homilies, I believe that one of the reasons why Roe v. Wade was overturned was because of the Blessed Mother. Mary said, in in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. In this sense, how many... How many abortionists prayed and fasted so that their cause would triumph? I don't know any. I don't know any. How many abortions would pray and fast so that their cause would be would would, would be triumphant? None. None that I know of. But how many prayers are offered that we'd be able to overturn Roe vs. Wade? Well, Relevant Radio Relevant Radio on the hour for the past few years was praying the Memorare on every, every hour. So they calculated it was millions Millions of memorares were actually prayed. Millions of memorares were actually prayed. Millions of memorares were actually prayed. So I really believe that this was a triumph, especially because of the powerful intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So let's keep praying, my friends. Let's keep praying, my friends, for those who have embraced abortion as their style of life. Pray for them. I don't think they're praying for us. But we want to pray for them for their conversion for their conversion but also for their salvation. Because those who live with hatred and die with hatred in their heart their salvation is in jeopardy. Their salvation is in jeopardy. Their salvation is in jeopardy. Let's pray for them. St. John says, how can we say we love God who we don't see if we're hating our brother or sister? We don't want to have any any hatred in our hearts whatsoever. And no vestiges of hatred within our heart. None whatsoever. We want to live out what Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. Now, once again, following on the theme of persecution, we're going through the book of Amos. 
And Amos is preaching. He's preaching to Israel, trying to get Israel to return back to God. So he's being persecuted by a priest. His name is Amaziah. As well as the king Jeroboam. So following in the theme of persecution, Amos, who we're reading this whole week, he's persecuted because he's preaching the truth. He's trying to bring back the people of Israel, trying to bring them back to God because they've wandered off from following God. And Amos very simply says that he was not born a prophet. He was not trained as a prophet, but he was a shepherd of sheep and a dresser of sycamore trees. But God called him. God called him to be a prophet. And the prophecy gives it very strong, he says, to the house of Isaac, your wife shall be made a harlot in the city, and your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword. Your land shall be divided by measuring line, and you yourself shall die in an unclean land. Israel shall be exiled far from its land. Wow. Pretty strong words. Amos does not mince words. So you can understand why Israel, Jeroboam was the who is the king, and Amaziah, who is one of their priests, they don't really like what Amos is saying because Amos is prophesying suffering, failure, and destruction. And my friends, it almost seems to be a common denominator in the Old Testament leading up to John the Baptist, that the prophets are called to preach a message that the people as a whole, they don't want to hear. Because the people slide into a life of ease and comfort and sensuality and eating and drinking and often following false gods. As we saw even happen in the kingdom of Solomon. We saw a couple weeks ago in the book of Kings. Where Elijah was preaching out against Jezebel. And Ahab. Ahab married a Canaanite woman who had many, many different gods. So. Elijah had to go and preach out against Ahab who had abandoned following the true God of Israel. And they're persecuted because of this. The persecution is very intense. So my friends, let's move from the prophet Amos to the gospel for today. We're entering into the very beginning of the ninth chapter of Matthew. So Jesus gets into a boat 
and crosses over to his own town. And people being aware of Jesus coming in to town and aware of his healing power. They bring to Jesus a man that was a paralytic. And they brought this this man to Jesus on a stretcher. So try to imagine. So they're carrying this man on a stretcher. Paralytic. So Jesus fixing his eyes upon this paralytic. He says, courage. How often our Lord, our Lord uses words of, of comfort and encouragement. Courage. He says, child. Even though this may have been an adult, we're all children of God. But even before before saying courage child, it says that Jesus saw he saw their faith. Whose faith? Jesus sees the faith of the paralytic, but also Jesus sees the faith of the men that are carrying the paralytic on the stretcher. And it's interesting how the faith of one person can ignite the faith of another person. You might even call it the domino effect. The domino effect of spreading the good news. So Jesus looking at the paralytic on the stretcher, he says, Courage, child. And then he says, Your sins are forgiven. Very interesting. Your sins are forgiven. Now, Jesus is surrounded by a lot of people and he's surrounded by the scribes who are supposed to be the experts in the law of Moses. They were saying to themselves that this man is, this man is blaspheming. So Jesus knew what they were thinking. I think that's important for us. Jesus knows what you're thinking right now. Jesus knows all the thoughts in our minds. What type of thoughts do we have? Maybe today we can ask our Lord, give me a new mind. St. Paul will go on to say, Put on the mind of Christ. Paul will say, you have the mind of Christ. I repeat, St. Paul says, put on the mind of Christ. He goes on to say, you have the mind of Christ. One way in which we can have that transformation, my friends, a good, con- a good confession purifies our mind, our heart and our soul. Then when we receive Holy Communion, we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Not only to receive his sacred heart, but we receive the mind of Christ. 
we see the mind of Christ and there is a transformation within us. Put on the mind of Christ, you have the mind of Christ. Jesus defends himself. And then Jesus, aware of them, he says, why are you harboring evil thoughts? Let us pray, my friends, for the grace not to harbor evil thoughts against God, against our spouse, against our brothers or sisters, even against those who are pro-abortion. Instead of harboring evil thoughts, let's pray for them. Every non-believer is a potential believer. Never forget that. Every non-believer, my friends, is a potential believer. He can be a believer one day. Conversions are possible. We have Father Victor with us who, one of his favorite writings is that of the book of Jonah. And I was telling Father Victor that's one of the most extraordinary conversion stories in the Bible. We have the whole city of Nineveh is called the conversion, starting with the king. And there were pagans, enemies to the Jews. So conversions are possible. But Jesus goes on to to say, defending himself, why are you harboring evil thoughts in your in your mind? Which is easier for him to say your sins are forgiven? Or to rise and walk. But do you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He says to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your stretcher and go home. And the man gets up, he picks up his stretcher and he heads home. And the crowds were struck with awe and they glorified God would given such authority to men and that was to Jesus Christ. Look at the way Christ works. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Jesus means Savior. He came to save us. Jesus is concerned about the health and the healing of all. He's concerned about the health and the healing of all. However, this has to be said. Jesus first heals the man's soul of his sin. Then he heals his paralyzed limbs. See, there's there's an order there. It's first the healing of the soul. Then there is the healing of the body of this man. Jesus has the proper hierarchy. We have both body and soul. We have a composite being. But our soul prevails over our body. That's what Jesus is teaching us. So let's turn to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
and recognize that we are the paralytic. Let's pray as such. Jesus is the divine physician. Let us beg the Lord with this prayer. Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. Thank you, Lord, because you are my divine physician. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.